Welcome to Black Kings Connect podcast, where we connect, empower, and uplift by providing a space to talk about the Black experience. We cultivate down-to-earth, honest, and real conversations to shatter the myth that Blackness is monolithic. Through this space, we hope that you learn something new, find truth to your voice, and especially have conversations with friends, family, and colleagues alike as we dive into some great dialogue. In season one of Black Kings Connect podcast, we begin this journey by talking through different topics that run through the minds of those who identify as Black. We attempt to unravel the complexities of our own experiences with the help of several individuals in our circles. With that being said, welcome to season one of Black Kings Connect podcast, the mindset of Blackness. Welcome, everybody. We're so glad that you decided to join in. This is the inaugural, the first of many uh, podcast episodes of Black Kings Connect. My name is James Bland. And my name is Nick Williams. We're so excited that you decided to spend some time with us as we kind of dive through and you know, think about some topics that were just important to us. Really, this, this, this brainchild of, of Nick's, I'll give him the credit, I came um, just from some really great conversations that we had over the you know, the years that we've known each other um, and other conversations we've had with other black men, other black people, um, talking about our community, things that are important to us, what's going on in the world, how we, how we come to view the world, like what our lens means and how, what influences that. And we decided to take all these really great conversations about the good, the bad, the ugly, the laughs, the, the highs, the lows, um, and present this in a format where you can join in with us. Uh, so we're hoping that through this podcast, through these conversations, that you learn, that you laugh, that you question us, that you question others, but more importantly, that you really kind of dive in, you tune in with us. Um, and we all have an opportunity to, again, just talk and connect. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, guys, you know, to kick this really this conversation or, or this podcast off, we, we really want to come with a power packed idea, concept or dialogue. So our topic for today is no limit. Now, I know you're probably thinking, you know, what does that mean? How does this all relate? This actually came to mind. I was on LinkedIn one day and a buddy of mine, Miles Braxton, thank you, Miles, for, for, this, uh, for this, this idea. He had made a post and he, he wrote, the greatest piece of advice I received as a young black professional, the odds are already against you. So why would you count yourself out? Set lofty goals, work hard, remain humble and see what happens. It's all about the effort. And you know, as, as I heard that, as I read that, I was thinking, bam, that is something that is quintessential when we're talking about success, when we're talking about why we see so many of the same issues that are still rolling around impacting not just black men, but many, uh, you know, many of the, much of the black community and beyond. So we, we really want to dissect this topic of no limit and, and what does it mean to, to understand what that, how that impacts us? So James, I actually got a question for you, man. How do you define no limit? So a question. I think the easiest way, you know, that you can define it is kind of living this life without any extraneous um, like expectations or limitations of yourself, rather. So mm-hmm. without limitations, right? So you know, using this growth mindset, you know, being able to 
uh, see opportunities uh, where others may not uh, be able to. And putting your mind to it, right? I'm, some of my OGs, the people that really had a great hand in raising me, they always say, and I'm sure you have, and a lot of other people have heard it before, if you put your mind to it, you know, you can achieve anything. So really kind of embodying that um, is my understanding of, of no limits. I'm taking limitations off, really putting your mind to something, committing to it. Um, and even if there are something or there are things that might get in the way, you might hit a road bump, you know, you might have to call an audible at some point or revisit it a couple of years later, um, still know that, you know, that is not the end. So any type of obstacle comes in your way, it's like, okay, yeah, this didn't work this time, or maybe I'll try it a different way the next time, or maybe this leads me to something else that was actually meant for me. Um, so not, you know, taking no for an answer, um, but being able to kind of navigate, you know, this journey of whatever you're trying to reach, whatever goal that is. Um, that's my kind of what I've come to understand of no limits in the way that I've been able to take all the lessons that I've got from my OGs and, you know, apply it to this, uh, to this concept that, you know, you and Miles are talking about here. What do you think that means to you? You know, man, it, it's, it's cool that you, you had broken it down in that way, because I, I, I completely agree. And I think for me, it, it's, it's evolved over time, per se. Because as I sort of sat there and just let it mull over, uh, over in my mind, I kept thinking about how environment makes a difference in understanding what no limits mean. Like, you know, from my background, I came from D.C. as a military kid, but my parents didn't want me to go to D.C. public school. So, of course, you know, I went through a private Christian, predominantly black school um, in Alexandria, Virginia, small at 14 people in my class. And I remember, I remember kindergarten. I had one teacher, Miss Rios. She was so awesome. And I remember, you know, because of the Christian school, the one verse that has always stuck with me was Philippians 4.13. You can do all things through Christ that strengthen you. And so as a kid, that embedded in my mind and has been con a consistent component of replaying in everything that I do since I was a kid. And so when we're talking about no limits, how I define it is really the, the cultivation of a growth mindset based on the environment and your circle that you're constantly around. Because I think for a lot of people, it, you know, the, the concept of what limitations impact what you do, it, it fluctuates. It, and my dad's always told me you assimilate who you associate. And so who you are around, that cultivates how you view your limitations on what you can and can't do. That's sort of how I define it, how it, how it speaks to me. It, it's really, it's, it's an evolution of self as you're trying to understand where your strengths lie and really the conversations you have with yourself of what you believe you can do and not just the visualization interior to who you are, but how you play it out in the physical. Yeah, absolutely. That's really interesting. How much, and maybe we're kind of taking the left a little bit, but I think that's the way organic conversations kind of start. We think about this limitation. You said you, you know, scripture played a part in kind of this, uh, Miss Rio, right? You said Ms. Was Rios. The, was Ms. The, yeah, Miss Rios. Like how much, um, you talk about like limitations of having that mindset, how much of it do you think was kind of from a spiritual aspect? I think the I think majority of it, and, and it's probably because a lot of my family's from the South, my grandmothers are, they, they are Southern Baptists. So it's like, you know, it's the kind of moment where you, you're on a Sunday, you're trying to sleep in as a kid and then wake up and play video games, but grandma's like, no, it's 6 a.m. You say it's 6 a.m. Yo. And she's like, get out of the bed. You're not sleeping. And like, me, me, I want one more minute. Just give me 10 more minutes. Do I have to go to church? No, you go into church. And so I think just that experience and that, that environment, it really did, you know, help me focus on my faith 
very much so. And so because I had such a strong faith foundation, that's what helped me be able to handle a lot of the adversities that we're trying to put or shift how I viewed my limitate the limitations that that society may try to put onto me. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's funny, you know, I asked that question because I, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about my own background and kind of upbringing and a lot of my family members very much in the church as well. My mom had me in the church, literally in the church, the children's choir singing from the time I can remember. <laughs> like my, the, one of the earliest pictures that I have of myself is me getting ready to go sing in the choir. So that faith part really is, Classic. you know, there, right, right. Me and a little bow tie um, looking bad. But, um, <laughs> but no, this this piece, you know, this faith part that you're talking about, I think that, you know, I, I could do all things, you know, Christ has strengthened me like you're talking about. No, but again, I'm thinking about my background and how faith played a part, but also, you know, my pops who maybe wasn't as religious, you know, he instilled this mindset in me as well, just by virtue of me being black, like how powerful that is and how like, um, you know, how, you know, who I come from, who we come from, my ancestors, you know, all the great things that we've done, you know, since the time we, you know, been here because we won't never supposed to be here, but it's from the time that we've been here, you know, to now, the way that we've been able to transform culture, you know, the world, these here United States, you know, through the most horrific um, and trying, um, you know, kind of circumstances, the way, you know, tenacity, you know, it's like, if you, you know, if you come from all of that, you know what I'm saying? So not taking that as a deficit, but saying, if you come from all of that, there's absolutely nothing that you can do because you come from people that, you know, that push you, people that were great. You know, it's not necessarily the whole, like, we come from kings and queens over in, you know, from Africa. I was like, yo, but some of us were go-harders, right? Like, and that's all right. That's the truth. But we still, we still, right, but we still come from, you know, people that are tenacious, you know, people that have, you know, beauty to them, you know, with that, you know, kind of understanding that and using that as a framework with mm-hmm. this this faith piece, you know, you know, looking at scripture, you know, using that kind of as a springboard, but also just in virtue of who we have been you know, over the course of forever, you know, using that as a springboard, as a framework as well. Like, it's very easy for us to, you know, for us to to think this way and for us to be proud of ourselves and be able to say, you know, I can do anything I want to, anything I put my mind to, you know, going back to that. Because I've seen other people do that too. You know, I've seen, you know, the greats, whether that's on a national level, whether that's on a local level, whether that's right there in your own family, you know, you, you become from people you know, that, that have overcome everything. So me getting degree is easy. That's, that's me right now, you know, 2012 or 2020, me getting degree, that's, that's easy. I can overcome that. Or me putting my mind to something, me, us starting a podcast, we can absolutely do that. You know, we can make it happen because, because we come from so many people who have pushed us, our ancestors are within us, you know, that blood that, that built this country, that run through us right there. You know, so with yeah. that, again, using, yeah, so that, again, that this mindset thing, you know, it's, it's, I'm glad that we're talking about it because, again, you know, I found there's so many times in my life where I, you know, I put limitations on myself and I said, man, I can't, I don't know if I can do that or, man, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about what that's going to look like, pretty much, you know, kind of being af- afraid to fail. But, but I think when we, we start thinking about all the things that can uh, propel us, and reaching that goal or the ways that we can fail forward, you know, knowing that we have community, we have history, we have faith, we have scripture, we have, you know, we have all these things, um, we have culture, all these things that can continue to either reroute us 
into the direction where we're supposed to be and get that goal or go straight forward. And there's so many things that are kind of, you know, that can support us to have our backs. Yo, man, you know, th there's just so much that you said in there that, you know, that started, you know, making me think of like, for like the examples of just how values and the important, you know, not just the, the obvious physical manifestation of values, but the subconscious pieces that are generational. Cause you know, I think that was the power of even Beyonce's, you know, black is king. You, you talk about, you know, how, when you really look at your ancestry, you're not just looking at what people did, but who they were. That's sort of the legacy that's passed on. You know, they, they were tenacious, they were ambitious, they were entrepreneurs, they, they, they had big, they were dreamers. And you see that replication from generation across generation. But then it's like, when you get the awareness of that, that takes you to a whole nother level of understanding what you're capable of. And so now it goes from, it's almost like you're, you're at a mountaintop and you're looking over and you see the whole forest, but it's, it's shrouded in so much mist and whatnot. And you're thinking, man, that's a long way to jump. I could jump knowing I have a parachute on my back and that I'll be fine, but I could just stay right here and be cool with it. You know, you're at that crossroads. I think, I think my faith in my schooling really played a part in that because going from a predominantly black private Christian school and, and having the faith foundation and going to a predominantly white upper affluent when I'm like, my family doesn't have it like that. I mean, I'm pretty sure my middle school and high school cost more than even UVA and I was on scholarship mm -hmm. all the way through. And then being one of like, you know, maybe 14 to 20 African Americans in a class of 120, 130. It's like, that's when I realized how much I started recognizing or embedding or putting limitations of like, I don't want to be, the stereotype. I don't want to be seen as less than. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick into this, this bubble, this box of, of I can perform my blackness in a specific way, not realizing that I'm also limiting what, like who I am in, in many aspects. Just trying to fit in and survive. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, rooted but not restricted by your blackness. That that's not mine. That came from uh, Michael Eric Dyson in his book called. Uh, by Torre, who's afraid of post-Black America. Uh, but no, that's great, you know, kind of stepping outside that bubble. I hear that. I think it, it's the more, you know, in a sort of a family unit, even in the Black community, the more we can have the dialogue about what those values are, what those qualities are, those traits that can instill into each generation. It's, it's like that, I think that could be significant in helping cultivate this mindset or further cultivate it. In, in a way, um, when we're talking about helping kids progress more than, see themselves as more than just pursuing the degree. Because I, I, I agree, I, I don't think the degree is sort of the sole, the sole solution for Black progress, but it's a tool. If we teach people how to use it effectively, we can really help build wealth beyond just academia, but really long-term generational wealth in a mindset and a legacy, but also in an academic standpoint to create social change. And significant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's real. That's real. I think it's, you know, to that point, it's whatever it looks like. Because if, if it's college, if it's starting a business, if it's, you know, um, you know, being the best at whatever, you know, you've been placed with, whatever skills you have, whatever passions that are within you, you know, being able to, you know, unlock that, uh, again, this tenacity, this, this this rich history that we're talking about, being able to unlock that um, and let that be the, you know, let that gas you up, essentially, let that be the energy, the thing that fuels you um, to be able to create, 
you know, whatever wealth looks like, whatever success looks like for you and your community and whoever else is in your sphere of influence. That's so real. I'm, I'm thinking about this point you made about uh, performing blackness and, you know, the uh, kind of the, the characteristics, the things that go into um, um, kind of building this mindset that you're talking about. I'm curious, what, I guess two things. One, what are some of those characteristics? You know, kind of what do you what do what do you need to pour into somebody in order for them to to have this mindset? Um, and also, you know, how do you think that relates to this? You know, I perform my the code switching essentially, if that makes sense. So, like, yeah. what are some of the characteristics that you think folks need in order to have this mindset? And also, mm -hmm. what does that mean in terms of the ways that we navigate? You know this country this world while we're being like while we are very much black and knowing that you know i might not be able to bump my nwa when i'm going into a meeting with the d you know but at the same time i want to but i might not be able to you know so what does that look like in your mind so a lot of it stems through conversations i would have with my dad and i think as time and years have gone through and i've matured more and more and more over the years my dad and i have had richer conversations about these kind of things because I remember my dad telling me his story of, you know, having to basically put himself through college. I mean, he's got his bachelor's, his master's, and his doctorate that he put himself through right. um, on his own by going to the military. And, and so the conversations we would have, especially when I started going to St. Stephen's and St. Magnus School, he, he would begin to inform me of, like, things like, look, Nick, you know, this is going to be different. You know, not everybody may see you or see the value that you have in yourself, but you, have to, you always have to remember you assimilate who you associate. You know, you can either fly with buzzards or soar with eagles. Right. And remember, you can do anything you put your mind to. I remember one of the first books my dad ever gave me was uh, actually Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Um, I didn't yeah. understand okay. why he gave me that book, you know, back then. But as I grew older and I, and I read it in more depth from a different lens, I understood at that point he was trying to show me that no matter what your circumstances are, they don't dictate whether you're going to be successful you choose that you have to you have to make a decision of this is this is what i envision for myself like if you right. want i would love to have i mean yes i want generational wealth for all my future generations for my kids right. my grandkids i want i don't want money to be a curse or a factor but also i want my i want my generations to know don't just tell yourself to do one thing because the god within me and again i think the faith foundation is another big piece the god within me tells me you can do all things through christ that strengthens you so why hold back from you know why why limit yourself based on your power when you can lean on the greatest power and allow god to manifest himself in everything that you put your hands on and so i think those conversations are when you see a child who has different gifts how do you cultivate those gifts like i remember when um when i first got into cooking my parents recognized that. I mean, I would tear up their kitchen. I mean, I would go through every single cabinet, the, the fridge. I got to a point where I started walking to the grocery store myself and get my own ingredients so my parents don't have to spend money. Mm. And I was working in as well. And they were just putting me into different things, opening up doors to different opportunities to help cultivate that gift. Because they saw if they told me, you know, that's cool, that's cute what you do. But no, you shouldn't do that. They knew that they could be detracting me from a blessing that that could be coming through because of that gift. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think a lot of those conversations do have to start when, when people are young, or even if it's not when they're young, just have the conversation and begin to recognize and uplift and empower and say, hey, I see what you're doing there. Keep doing that. That's awesome. 
You are amazing. You know, don't stop doing that. You know, don't clip the wings. Don't clip the wings. Essentially, bingo. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it, it's 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 embrace those moments of greatness as they're still blooming. Yeah. And no, that's real. That that's something that we have to do more, especially if we're looking at what's going on right now in today's society um, in regards to the imaging of of black bodies, especially of black men. Um, and, and I'm sure we're going to get into a lot of these different topics in more detail. But I know like the one thing about just witnessing and watching a lot of these images, I know one of the movies I could barely watch as a kid was um, My Friend Martin, which is about MLK, you know, mm. these two kids traveling mm. back in time. Yeah, yeah, that's a classic. Yeah, I mean, every MLK, they would push out the TV that was in that little roly, whatever, you know, little contraption they had. We were all watching. <laughs> every MLK. Yeah. yeah, no, that's that's real. And I remember you didn't that was like fourth that, grade. You didn't like that movie. Well, I liked it, but for some, but it was watching everything that was happening in the '60s from the kids, from a kid's perspective. Mm. To me, it was horrifying. So it was hard to. It was like it was on the same level of reaction as I, I watched like a movie like Chucky or another scary or a scary movie like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. If I were a kid, which I did, mm. my sister made me. That was mm. <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. Oh, you know what's crazy? My first horror movie was Chucky too. I was over in my cousin's house, and you know, me and some of the cousins my age, we <laughs> we were watching. This is, has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but <laughs> we Chucky. and so we were in the basement, and another cousin was like throwing toys down in the basement. I was so terrified because I'm like, "Yo, Chucky can't <laughs> coming to get us." So that that stuff <laughs> is um, that is that was my first horror movie I ever watched. It's hilarious oh, how you watch those movies, but as a kid growing up, you're like, "That's a hard, that's terrible." The little, the doll of the killers, man. That's, yes, that's, that's some twisted stuff. Anyway. And you know the fascinating thing, that movie is fake. You know what I mean? It's all, it's all fake stuff. Right. But then, so when it came to my friend Martin, it's like stuff that actually happened. And as a kid, I'm processing it in fourth grade, fifth grade, and it's like, wow, people really don't like me because of the, they could really not like me because of the color of my skin. And at that point in time, because I was in elementary school, mostly around black people, private mm-hmm. Christian school. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really have to think about the performance of my blackness at the time until I got to St. Stephen's in middle school and high school. And so that movie became my reality as I'm now entering into an environment where I am now truly a minority and I'm having, I'm recognizing my blackness in the performance of it and how I have to Act because now I remember the first thing that one kid said to me the moment I stepped into the school. He asked me if I liked hip hop. That was the first question he ever asked me, mm-hmm. and I didn't know how to answer because I'm like, wow, nobody's ever just introduced themselves and asked me that question right off the bat. Why they have to go that to that kind of random randomization of questioning uh, when it's like, hey, how you doing? My name is X. You know, you know, welcome to the school. Where are you from? And things like that. No, it's just like just go straight into a stereotype. I remember that they were, you know, moments in like middle school where they had to do a project where students had to draw out the lunchroom and where people sat in the course of black kids because we're you know we're 10, 10 black kids in our class we all right. sat together because there was a shared experience and then we couldn't really have conversations about our experience because on top of that there were probably two black teachers in that whole school so when you talk about the lack of representation and then going through something that is significant in development representation is so significant and when we don't have enough of it it makes it hard for for a child to decipher on how to see their worth because 
they're internalizing it, not really having a conversation about it. Can't really tell your parents. Your parents not may, may not be able to relate because maybe they didn't go. They're not going through the same experience that you're going through. So you just have a kid just going through and just trying to figure it out as they go through and trying to piece together what their blackness is worth as they go through those environments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's real. You know, I'm thinking about some of you, know, you mentioned uh, growing up in a, in a space that was not diverse at all. When we moved from Baltimore down to, uh, to, to VA. You, know, you, you talked about the first time someone came up to you as I asked you, you mean like hip hop, one of my earliest uh, memories of, of uh, you know, kind of recognizing, oh, I'm black and I'm different, was in my elementary school. I was sitting, I sat down on a bus and the, next to this little white kid, I can still see his face. Uh, must have been maybe second grade, third grade, something like that. The first thing he says is, my uncle is a member of the KKK. I will never forget it. I'll never forget oh. my first experience of racism, right? Elementary I, school? I was, it was maybe the second grade, maybe third grade. And I, wow. I, at the time, I knew it was wrong because I was like, okay, you know what? This is not normal. I, th I had somewhat of an idea with the KKK clue. I knew what that was, and I knew that what he was telling me was was wrong. I didn't like it, but it wasn't until years later where, and again, I still remember it, but it wasn't until years later, I was like, oh, that was really wild. You know, that was really wild. And, you know, we're, we're talking about this, you know, this mindset of, of, uh, of, you know, kind of no limitations, no limit mindset and, you know, being able to, you know, fully operate, you know, within your blackness, whatever that looks like, knowing that we're not a monolith, what it means to be black is going to look different to all of us, right? Um, being able to operate in your full self in a way that feels good and authentic to you at that moment, I very well could have like just shut down like some people would. My, resp <laughs> my response, again, you know, I don't even know where it came from. It was so wild. There was two kids talking to each other that didn't really understand race, even though, you know, he was, we won't go into that. But my response was, was like, yeah, well, my family member, I don't remember who I called on, my, my family member X is a Black Panther. Again, I had no idea what we were talking about, but I still knew that like race is a thing that's here, right? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, thinking about the education system because that's come up um, a couple of times. I know that you know we're both educators. I think there were so many times growing up in that type of environment where whether it was from a peer, you know, being called a nigger in the third grade, and then having my teacher say, "Oh, well, you didn't tell me." right when it happened, so there's nothing I can do about it. So we're talking about second, third grade, getting called niggers and stuff. Yeah. Right? Um, so it's, you know, growing up in that type of, of atmosphere that very racist, you know, full of white supremacy. I'm talking about like, worse of the, well, not worse of the worst, but a, a very toxic, you know, kind of situation for a young black child to be growing up in. I think very well could have said, you know, I'm going to shut down and I'm not going to try to, know socialize i'm just going to you know kind of i'm a, a assimilate to what's right or i'm gonna let this happen to me or i'm gonna i'm gonna let these you know this these betrayals or like this thought this 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 idea that all not all these people but a majority of these folks around me peers and adults with this idea they have i'm gonna let that set in and i'm gonna let that be who i am again luckily for some of the reasons that we mentioned early family culture you know, faith, all that stuff was able to, you know, reroute me on, on, on a path that got me to where I am now. I'm fully confident in who I am. That, that started 
you know, at a very young age of being able to reject all of these, you know, kind of counter narratives to who I knew I was, right? You know, I love Baldwin. Um, one Baldwin quote that always sticks with me is you have to decide who you are and force the world to deal with you, not its idea of you, right? Bingo. So like, I knew who, like, I knew who I was, right? But I had all these other things. I'm sure a whole bunch of other Black folks dealt with the same thing, coming from a bunch of different, could be, you know, in the classroom, you know, could be from, you know, um, you know authority, whoever. We, we have these, these, you know, these narratives that are so vigilant, you know, and so um, just kind of just, just out there in the world that says, this is who you are and this is all, all that you want to be. Uh, but being able to like be resilient and say, actually, I reject that. And instead, I'm going to be, you know, who I am. You know, that, that takes time, that takes work, that takes a lot of like emotional intelligence, a lot of like conversations with yourself and conversations with, you know, friends like we're having right here to be able to, again, reject that and force the world to deal with who you are and not this idea with you. And that, that's, that's hard. You know, that's, that's yes. not easy work right there at all. But, um, you know, again, you, know, you mentioned representation too. I think without, you know, reading books that I got from, you know, from, from OGs, from, you know, uh, you know, from friends of mine, you know, having mentors, you know, being able to look at, you know, movies and, and sports and, you know, music to people that, again, look like me, even though I might not have had that in my direct, you know, be, might not have been able to touch them because of, you know, the area that I grew up in, I still had those strong influences around me to say, actually, yeah, they might, that's, this is, might be what they think of you, but I actually get this, right? And let's think about what this means to you. Let's think about like who you are outside of this, this, you know, this reality. I'm using air quotes. This reality that they want to put you in, because that's not what it is. You're all these things instead, you know. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's it's really interesting, like how it, again we talking about this is not something that happens overnight. We're talking about thirty no. years of of work, you know, thirty years of getting it right, thirty years of sometimes getting it wrong, a lot of times getting it wrong. Uh, but eventually, you know, building up to, you know, this this idea of who you are and being able to walk in that, walk in your truth, right? Um, I, I think that's a really powerful thing to be able to do. Again, when you think about this mindset, you think about what it means to be Black, navigating this world and this mindset, knowing all the things that might be against you, you know, and that comes from a bunch of different ways, but still being able to walk in that truth. But again, like Baldwin says, peace to my man Baldwin, to, to force the world to deal with you and not this idea of you. I think that that's a powerful thing right there and that's transformative, it really is. And you know, so many things that popped up, you know, you talk about walking in your truth. And I think that's where you look at the educate, the, I would say the higher education system with the, I think what benefited me in, in the 28 years, and like you said, it's a journey. You're constantly learning, developing, growing, soaking in, getting people around you that are maybe in life where you, where you wanna be, or in their, in their journey a little bit further ahead um, and pouring into you and mentoring you and guiding you in whatever season you're in. I, I think the mindset to, you know, of looking at what your truth is and, and, and really having that dialogue with yourself to know what is your truth. I, I think when you look at shows like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you see the, the dichotomy of Will Smith and Carlton Banks. Will Smith is the atypical, stereotypical, he's walking in his truth. But then Carlton, he's atypical walking in his truth too. But Absolutely. then there's, there's a rejection of his blackness in many, many ways. I think some people go through that, especially when they're pursuing certain avenues of success. 
um, mm-hmm. like pursuing college or being the smart, the smart black kid in the room, especially being a black man, there's mm-hmm. such a whitewashing of blackness that happens during that journey that sometimes you can be, you can take three steps forward and then you hear the one phrase, oh, you're not black enough. Sure. It pushes you back to start at square one, you know, and, and it's like a game of monopoly and you're monopolizing and, and trying to gain territory over your truth. But it seems like you have to constantly negotiate it as you try to fit in or work within environments that are rejected or, or have a certain base image of what blackness is. You sure. said this earlier, blackness, it's, it's unique to each individual African-American you know, or black person on how they identify themselves and how they choose to perform their blackness. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to the idea of the concept of whitewashing, it's understanding when you say those kind of terms of saying you're not black enough, it's, it's how do you as a, as, a, as a black person, as an African-American person, as a person who is in the pursuit of walking in their truth, how do you strongly reject those statements not just physically, but mentally, because it's so easy to say, oh, I don't accept that verbally, but you don't realize subconsciously you may be internalizing it in some kind of way. And that sometimes becomes a a barrier that we enable in our own minds at time of, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, no, I'm not going to go out party tonight. I'm going to go study. I remember doing that often at UVA in my first year. Um, I'm I'm trying to, I'm here for, I'm here with a purpose, but then it's like, oh, come on, man. You don't have to, you know, you don't need to do that. Just go, just, just go, you know, chill and everything. It's like, no, I, I'm here for a purpose. But you feel guilty mm-hmm. for, for, as you sort of contemplate, do I reject what they're saying about me? Or do I, you know, just fall for it? Do I just go into it and just become somebody that I'm not in order to, to feel for a brief moment that I fit in, but they're still rejecting me and who I am? As long as you learn, and this is where, like you said, the years and the journey of, understanding who you are and being comfortable in your own skin and right. and, and the thing and, and and what you're all about and knowing i think knowing your values knowing the things you value most for me i know faith is is the most is one of the most important things for me um connection unity family you know you you i remember there was there's actually a man i'm, I'm always looking at a lot of these black movies they talk about so many great topics black man's holiday you had all the bros together they're chilling it's the holidays. They're out down there playing pool. Oh, you mean the movie? The movie. The movie. Yeah, yeah, Black yeah, Man yeah, Holiday. Yeah, right, right, yeah. That's I mean, Best Man Holiday. Why well, I say Black best Man, man holiday. holiday? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and um, you have Morris Chestnut and them. You you know, sitting around Terrence Howard, and they're talking like, you know, what are your three values? If, if well, if you could take all your values, summarize it in three words, what would that be? You see, that kind of conversation is it, significant, not just as a as a black person, but especially as a black man, of just understanding your truth despite what images are telling you because it's, it's foundational because it influences everything you choose to do everything that you tend to gravitate to the people you tend to surround yourself around mm-hmm. and really just your it, it becomes your value system for yourself that you measure yourself up against every time it's like a constant look in the mirror sure. of 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 who you are and that truth always evolves based on the season that you're in Cause it's different. It's one thing when you're a single young, you know, young dude, young black dude to, okay, now you're a professional working, you're making some money, you make some financial decisions, maybe they're good or bad. You, you may make some money moves, good or bad career moves, business moves, they all shape you. And then you become, then you become a parent. Then you, you move towards now you're in your older, you're in your older age. And now you're just, you're, you're, you're building a legacy behind mm-hmm. you, you're building generations behind you. And at each shift, 
your mindset is different or your viewpoint or lens is different, but those values are still foundational. They've just gotten more seasoned over time as they've been implemented and influencing all your actions. Sure. Sure. And then when we get to that point, it's up to us to, you know, help the people that are around us. I think even now we can do this, but especially this, you know, start getting to, you know, those seasons of life that you're talking about. Um, it's up to us to help others, you know, you know, some of the youngest that we have around us develop what that means to themselves. And I know for me, you know, community has always been a big part of what, uh, what, brought me to be here my success i always bring it back you know attribute it to my community and um you know those those values that i talked about you know this this persistence that i have this the strength that i have this you know this this sense, strong sense of self it comes from the people that i've been i've been able to you know been blessed to, to be around um so you know i think we you know when we have these minds shift you know, opportunities, I think it's up to us to go to the people that's, you know, you know, that are looking up to us and say, all right, now what does this mean for you? And we, I think we can suggest, I think we can say, hey, here's some things that worked, you know, that worked well for me. I think I'm always really thankful for the people that, you know, had a hand in, you know, developing my, my self-worth and them saying, all right, here's some game. Here's, here's what it means to be, you know, a good person. You know, here's what it means to, you know, reject this, these negative portrayals, these negative things that people might say about you. Here's how I did it, but you have to develop that for yourself, right? So here's some ways that you can navigate it. Here's some ways that you can think about it. And I'm so glad that I wasn't preached that all the time, but it's more so like, let me, let's, let's talk through this together. Oh, you had this experience? All right, what can you do next time? You know, yeah. what it, what it, how did that make you feel? You know where are you right now? So like being able to like really counsel me, I think that's such a such an important part. Again, but we need to have that mentorship and, and representation that you're talking about. I'm thinking about uh, the Fresh Prince. You mentioned that I was just watching that the other night, and um, I was watching the episode. It's funny that you mentioned it, but the episode where they uh, Will and Carlton tried to join the fraternity. And the one, oh, yeah. The, yeah, the dean was like, "Oh, well, he's not black enough." And you know, I think Colton was just as black as Will, right? Now, granted, he yes. may not have had all the cultural, you know, references. He may have listened to was it Tom Jones? I think. Tom yeah, Jones. Tom yeah, he's to Tom Jones. That's his class. Right. <laughs> you know, when he he's doing the Carlton dance, and you know, he's he's, you know, very much I would say a capitalist, and you know, maybe borderline Republican, but he was black, right? Like in that moment. You know, he said, well, so because I live in a, in a mansion and because I have these things that I'm accumulating, because I think this certain way, I like this type of music, that means that I'm not, I'm not down, I'm not black. Like, what does that mean? Like, if I go out here and I get stopped by the police, I'm still feeling the same way that you are, you know, based on this color of my skin, knowing that the experiences that we have as black folks in this country and black folks in this world, it's like, why are we doing this to each other? And you know, I think it's, um, you know, going back to this sense of community, I think it's so important for, for us um, to, like, reject this way of thinking because I could definitely see how that would lower someone's, you know, um, someone's idea of their, their sense of self, which could, in effect, you know, could maybe perhaps lower their sense of, you know, their ability to do, you know, whatever it is they want to, whatever goal they want to reach. Again, put limitations on themselves. You know, so, you know, I, I, I tend to reject as well this idea that 
with all these crabs in a barrel and black people bring each other down because of all these different things. I think that's just, I think that's just human nature, right? That happens yeah. sometimes, which is unfortunate. Um, I, I, I actually, actually, I think that we do a great job of supporting each other. Like, a, a, I think that's one, one of many things that, that black folks do really well, which I love about the community is that we do support folks um uh really well we are so welcoming and inviting right and we do push each other to be better now granted that might be tough love sometimes i do think we push each other to be better which is really important again we think about like how do we navigate this space what does this mean and how we how to develop this mindset where we don't have limitations and limitation doesn't necessarily have to be you know as we're talking right now i'm thinking about it doesn't have to be you know goals or i i got these degrees or i've reached a certain threshold in terms of like my financial gain is it could be you know limitation or you know um you know development of self you know it could be like what do i personally want to do it could be you know some type of um uh some type of, of a greater sense of, of faith you know you mentioned that once again so i think there are all these different ways that we can continue to grow ourselves it doesn't have to be you know super tangible you know, what, what does this mean for my blackness? You know, so how, why do I take limitations of what my blackness means? Or how do I take limitations off of all these other things that society says we have to be? How do I develop that for myself? And I think, you know, it's with these strong values that we mentioned, you know, it's with reading some of these books that you mentioned, it's, it's having this community, it's faith, you know, it's having these strong, hard conversations with ourselves and with, with friends. It's, you know, doing the work of rejecting sometimes what we put in ourselves, right? Because I think a lot of times we put our limitations in ourselves doesn't necessarily come from other people. Um, you know, we, we, we're self-inflicted. It's all of this stuff that I think really makes a difference um, in us being able to think, you know, truly operate in this fully embraced, this fully, you know, kind of welcome, strong sense of, no, this is James, this is Nick. And if anybody doesn't like it, then, hey, tough cookies, you know? And again, but again, that takes work. It, this, it sounds easy, but it's hard. It's, it's the hardest thing. And, and it's, it's because so much of our identity is intersected with so many different aspects from right. socioeconomic, from our gender and sexual identity to our racial identity, to our ethnic identity. You know, mm -hmm. there, there's so many facets, our age, it all comes full circle. And I, and I remember, I think even in my development in these years, you know, this is why my relationship with both my parents individually is so different and so unique. You know, I remember growing up, my mom would say, I don't think that that looks good on you. I'm like, mom, just trust me. You mm -hmm. know, we would have those conversations of like, mom, I'm, I'm affirming that this is who I am. And this is, this is, you know, this is my style. My mom would try to impose her thoughts, not because it's a way of, it's a way that she's saying, I'm trying to limit you, but it's because she cares. She, she loves me. That's my mom. And sometimes that's a, you need that. You need that advice from your OGs. Cause that, again, that helps, that helps with your thinking. It helps frame it. Bingo. And as you grow, you learn a different level of respect for one another. It's like, mom, I appreciate your thought, but also trust that, you know, everything you've instilled in me, that is a foundation for how I'm operating in the way that you're seeing. You may not understand it, but this is exactly how I, this is who I am. And I, and I think as as parents, um, as friends, as significant others, as, as colleagues, it's the biggest thing is when you're trying to understand somebody, 
sometimes the, uh, I call it the frontal attack, doesn't always work. It's sort of come from a good buddy of mine, Daniel Cutright, actually mentioned this before. When you learn to stand on the same side of the fence as another person and truly walk in empathy, you can understand where they're coming from and have a better dialogue of how you can be a better support system to them. Um, it's just like a, a, a parent, you know, loves each of their kids in, in each different unique ways, but they love their kids nonetheless. No, no one kid is better than the other. You have to approach all relationships in that same way of, okay, this is how I present, you know, myself and, and how I appreciate you, but how do you receive that appreciation and having that kind of, that kind of conversation so that people can understand that when you give advice or perspective, it's coming from a place of, of love and appreciation and respect and not necessarily saying, I'm trying to put limitations on you or I'm trying to detract you or deter you from something that may not be in my comfort zone, but maybe it is in your comfort zone is playing to your strengths mm-hmm. that maybe I don't necessarily have or the gifts that you have that I may not have. Right. 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 And that's, that, that's, that's all of that. That's all of that. You know, just thinking about my, 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 my parents are fairly, uh, fairly traditional. Um, although my mom loves like Biggie, she introduced me to hip hop songs like that. She's like, have you heard of J. Cole? I'm like, what? No, I haven't heard of <laughs> But you know when I, but when I, you know when I come home with with tattoos and a nose ring and you know hoop earrings and stuff, they were like, okay, I wouldn't have done it, but fine. That's who you are. That's how you present. So it's like here are the things like you're still solid, right? You're still solid. You're still still very much affirming who you are, which I think is the role of a mentor and the role of, you know, we talked about being educated, you know, you talked about having, you know, being kind of in this later season of life. I think that's what we have to do, instill these values and that, you know, in hopes that whenever, you know, someone is presented with, you know, an is presented with a scenario where, there, where a counter narrative arises that says, actually, you know, we think you're this, you know, this thing, or you're not supposed to do that, or you can't do this, that they're able to kind of stand on, you know, again, this foundation that they have and that true self, however that presents, that could be listening to Tom Jones, or that could be having, you know, a neck tattoo, whatever that looks like, being able to stand true on yourself and be like, eh, actually, no, I reject that. I'm, I'm this, mm-hmm. you know, um, you're not going to be able to tell me any different because I have the the guidance of, you know, uh, of mentorship and community who have helped frame my identity, who have affirmed who I am. And I've taken all of that over the course of the years. I've molded it to what that means for me. And now I stand 10 toes down against anything that says otherwise. Still, I think being, I, I still think even with that, we have to be open for suggestions, right? Because we're, we're human. That means we're naturally flawed in a lot of different ways. So, you know, sometimes it is good to hear from a friend or to hear from someone that like, yo, you kind of, kind of wild right now, you know, which you, you maybe need to think about your choices, which is good to have. I think, again, if it's presented in love, then, you know, good things will come from it. But be able to stay 10 toes down and say, you know, hey, you, you either take it or leave it. I think it's, it's such a beautiful space to be in, especially now, you know, given all the, you know, given where we are right now as a society and all the, the social unrest, like we definitely need that because a lot of, a lot of anxieties and a lot of things that could, you know, lead you astray and, you know, lead you to kind of question yourself. Um, and again, it's just having this daily affirmation, you know, so I, I guess 
you know, my kind of takeaways and, you know, kind of encouragement to, to for all folks to do is to you know, build yourself with um, resources or with anything that can continue to affirm who you are, right? And continue to do this work of questioning, what does this mean to me? And how do I, how, how do I interpret this, you know, and how, how do I, you know, think of ways to, you know, approach life in a way where it removes limitations, where I can think really creatively and strategically about what my life means, you know, what my journey means and what I want to get out of this life and what I want to pour back into people and what I want the people around me to pour back into me. I think those are all really important questions. And that could, that could be from, again, from the music that we listen to. I know Kendrick does that for me, John Coltrane, right? All, all uh, Beyonce, which is, amazing shout out to queen beyonce right but it, it was music it could be movies it could be the book, books family members friends you know podcasts like this uh, <laughs> but you know I, 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 you know um i think we have to continue to, you know we have to continue to do these things you know because that that's the way that you know we to, to really you know empower ourselves right it's, it's good to have these these slight reminders around us when you know, we when we when we might have questions, or maybe when people question us, and that kind of sinks into our soul. We're like, well, actually, am I supposed to be able to do this? Can I do that? Am, am I black enough? Right. So we we have these these continuous um, affirmations, no matter where they come from. I think those those are really solid ways to, to you know kind of reject that and and stand on yourself and rebuild if you have those moments where you know you're not feeling um, as confident. You know. Yeah. And, you know, man, um, my, my concluding thoughts, too, are I, I agree with the affirmations because I think that's probably the most important thing. What, what is the dialogue or the conversation you have with yourself uh, when you say I am and you declare it and you speak it to yourself? You know, you write down your ambitions, your vision, your goals and, and what you want, your aspirations. And then you also have that time of reflection, even if it's like once a week or once a day, even five minutes, just quiet time to just let your mind rest and just understand, okay, where am I at right now? And I think sometimes, and, and I know we're, we're going to talk about mental health as, as, you know, for another, for another topic down the road of just how do you take that time for yourself to rejuvenate and, and understand, but also how do you ask for, for help when you need it and have that transparent conversation. So with that being said, I, I think, I think we've unpacked this. <laughs> we've definitely taken the limits off of this topic. Um, sure. So, Everyone, we hope that you enjoyed this. Stay tuned for more episodes. Definitely give us a shout out. You know, if you like this episode, like it, love it, and everything like that. We hope you enjoyed and stay tuned for next time. Yes. Peace, love, and happiness. (laughs) All right. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Black Kings Connect Podcast. We hope that you took something away from this episode that will help you grow. We hope that you learned something new so that now you know. We hope that you found a voice that's been hidden within, and we encourage you to take this conversation further into your own circles so that we can all win. Give us a shout out on our social media platforms and let us know your thoughts. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn at BK Connect Podcast, or by simply typing in Black Kings Connect Podcast in the search bar. Make sure to turn on the notifications so you are always notified whenever we drop an episode. We will be dropping an episode every other week on Thursdays. We are cultivating this space as a place to connect, empower, and uplift. And we hope that you hear the crown and stay locked in with us for the next episode. 
Always know that if you stay royal, we'll stay loyal. Welcome to the BKC family. Until next time, on Black Kings Connect podcast. Peace.